And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
Howdy there. How's everybody doing? You're listening to SAS. Sarseeds, Angels, Savant Syndrome. Are you a starseed? Probably. There's a good chance that you're a starseed. And if you're not, why does it matter? Actually, there's a whole lot of conjecture about what is and what isn't. What is truth? We've got the science down to an art to make all kinds of gadgets and gizmos and whatnot. Actually, I was having a conversation with a good friend, and he put things into a really good way. Very, very smart man. And actually, we'll get to listen to that in a second. I want to iterate beforehand that there are natures to us, human natures. These are not things to be as uh, an excuse, an offhand reasoning behind the flaws that we have. In fact, I would go to say that there's no reason at all to append our flaws to our nature. That's ridiculous. Just because everybody has chosen from their free will to fuck up does not make it a nature. No. That's a collective decision. And I like to believe that most collective decisions are inherently cowardly. Now, unless, of course, you have reason, reasoning, uh, logic, and harmony behind as the uh, primary motivator, well, then, yeah, of course, you know, and that would be more towards the side of nature. But, you know, when you look at things in the world and uh, you look at the aspects, well, you know, it doesn't go so much towards harmony. You know? And it seems to be, at least in the human spectrum, um, efforts against facing karma. We're facing the things that we really, like, should actually just harmonize with and live symbiotically with, you know. Oh, what do you want, Tyler? My cat, I swear. Meow! He's a Maine Coon, and if you know anything about Maine Coons, they are super verbal. Actually... His tail almost beats world record. And he's a runt, too. Can we imagine? 
But yes, where was I? Hope you like the music. I love promoting underground music. That's uh, basically all I do, really. Um, I, I promote my friends. I promote uh, cool artists that I find. And um, I only do it with permission. Or uh, a license. Or a license. I've, I've got a couple beats that... Um, well, I don't know, just, I'd say two songs that have one beat. And I play those two songs, and I've got the license to the beat. And, uh, yeah, really cool stuff. And uh, I always promote and encourage the same. I think that that's a human nature in itself. And that's the thing that today's society, I have no idea why, but you guys have lost it. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to point, but it's just that I'm not included in it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, but I'm not included in that mind frame that uh, a lot of y'all got, which is basically the mind frame of do not support your friends. And do not support the people that you know. Uh, uh, negatively critique? Yeah. Uh, positively encourage? No. Which, I mean, if you understand yourself at all, if you know the dynamics of your emotions and your heart, you would know that that uh, masculine-minded logic, quote-unquote, is really not logical at all. When you come at a person like that. Now, I like to tell a story. Uh, I made it up maybe a month or so ago to explain a situation. And that's how I do it, you know, just like everybody in the, uh, through history. You know, you're trying to explain something. So that way the person understands, and when you say it with the logic, nobody gets it, you know, because it's got to be from within. you got to understand from within, from the heart, and then you get it. All right, the story goes like this. Two kids grow up in the same town, a boy and a girl, same age. Now the boy picks up a guitar one day, wants to practice, and so he starts practicing, dreaming in his head, like, oh, what if I was to become a star? And his mom comes along and says, stop that racket. That sounds horrible. You suck. <laughs> she says that. Okay, this is my story, right? She said that. <laughs> I mean, not, not my mom. I'm not, don't apply like that, okay? It doesn't always go like that. That's not how psychology works, no. Okay. But I do understand the thing from experience, but not, not my parents, okay? Anyways, anyways, let me go on. Okay, so the mom said to the son, his guitar playing sucks. Like that. She said it like that, too. Sucks! All right, now, now he's like all bummed out now. Puts down the guitar kicks it, walks away. One day, the boy is playing baseball with his brother. And his dad comes along. Is that my cat trying to come back in? I swear to God. Ah, Tyler. Anyways, his dad comes along and he sees him playing baseball with his brother. He says, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. 
You're doing it all wrong. Look at that stance. Wow. Starts mocking him, right? No, no. Here, give me that baseball bat. And he shows him, right? You know, he grabs it. Starts showing him how to do it. You know, he's basically scolding the kid. Then he says, here, do it. You do it, you know. And the kid lightly grabs the baseball bat and starts practicing the swing. And he lost his will now, you know. He, he doesn't want to do it. He's just embarrassed now and has no will. And the father still starts, you know, scolding him and telling him how he's doing it all wrong. He ends up not uh, wanting to play anymore, of course. And he doesn't want to play baseball ever again after that. In fact, he grows up. The same thing happens to him every time. And he grows up a nothing. With no will. No fire. Deadbeat? Probably ends up killing himself. I don't know. I mean, hey, you know, that's how these things happen, mind you. Pay attention. 800,000 people die a year from suicide. That's four a minute. Was it? No, no, wait. I think it was uh, one every four minutes. Sorry. Uh, you can look up at the uh, World Health Organization data for that. I did. Because these are things that should be looked at. They should be noticed. It's going to happen whether you pay attention or not. In fact, if you don't pay attention, it's going to get worse. Let's go on to the second kid. Little girl. Picks up a guitar. Starts playing. And her mom comes along. Wow, that sounds amazing. You're so good. She smiles. One day you're going to be a star. And she has that inspiration sparked. One day she's playing baseball with her brother. And her dad comes along. And he cheers for her. That's my girl. Good job. And she smiles. She grows up with encouragement. She becomes a star. Now these are what, um, even though this story is made up, emotionally we can see that this is so. Every time. Every time. Because when you are discouraged, do you feel like doing something? No. When you're critiqued only, do you feel like that thing that you're critiqued in is valuable? No. So it's cowardly for a person to only critique. It is cowardly to only critique. In fact, to the person who only critiques has no value in their words at all. Don't ever accept critique unless the person... And I do mean specific person has offered either equal or greater encouragement. Otherwise, 
why value their 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 critique? Pointless unless it's a unless it's a thing that you desperately needed and you can handle. But the thing is, is that it's more important to cultivate the fire within you. It's more important to keep that fire going. Otherwise, what's the point? The thing is over. You let that fire die, and the passion is gone, and the meaning is gone. In fact, it would be a great thing, I think, if you decided to go and compliment somebody, anybody. Practice it. It'd be healthy for you. It'd be healthy for humanity. And it would help the world get to know itself from the level of each individual. See, the thing is, is that one of the most important things, self-discovery, wisdom of yourself, Know what you like, know what you don't. Know why. And you, the more you do, the more you discover. There are dynamics that are universally true. These are what make up consciousness. We could append things to... Uh, chemical responses from the brain and uh, endorphins and all of that jazz. And, you know, the thing is that when you're a neurologist and you're appending all these labels to these chemicals and these reactions, well, you still end up with nothing, having no idea how it works at all. Read about it. That's all they ever say. Uh, I can't, I can't, uh, quote the exact or cite the exact, uh, article, but it was from Discover Magazine, which is a science magazine, not Discovery, Discover. And I think it was about 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on neurology, obviously. And, uh, non-locality, conscious non-locality. In any case, the quote goes, We cannot find the man behind the keyboard. I like to say, uh, Well, that uh, gives the presupposition that they found a keyboard. Come in, Tyler. Meow, meow, meow. What did you mouth for? You got your food right there. Anyways. I love talks like this, right? That's why I had to get my good friend, the reverend who ordained me as minister, by the way. Good guy. Good guy. Good solid guy. On the phone to have a talk about all this. So without further ado... I think most people would get pissed off by freaking uh, getting asked that. Like, 
Right, right, right. Well, because they're going to sit and make value judgments on everybody in society, especially the, uh, you know, the non-desirables. But that's the basic question. Who are you and what are you about and why is that? Yeah. You know? It's a deep one, though. I mean, I can't say I can answer for sure. I mean, I've tried. But, you know, if you're going to ask enough questions to go, you know what, we put greenhouse gases in the air, and if all the automobiles and from their solar cells have rare minerals, oh, shut up. <laughs> if you can think that much, if you can be comprehensive of the interconnectedness of the world and the environment, that you can make a lithium-ion battery, then why in the hell do you not ask yourself, who you are and what you like and what you want to do and be. Yeah. Why not? If you don't, there's only one guaranteed outcome, and that is somebody else will for you. Yeah. You know, that's government, that's religious leaders, that's a whole bunch of things. But, you know, this world is filled full of lazy people that would like to make other people pay them or do something for them while... You tell them why they're stupid and make up their minds for them because of that. Yeah. You know, and the real reality is there's no reason why a skunk shouldn't be flying a space shuttle because it's a citizen of the world and it has as much right to get on that accumulated iron or fake meteor in the space as anything else does. Yeah. You know? But, you see... The consumerism of the soul can't be fed that way, and that's why it's all rejected. Because, you know, if you did, did that real, you would look around yourself and go, um, I don't have the right to completely change the biosphere for my sheer jollies. I don't have the right to do that. And maybe then I guess I shouldn't strip mine that mountain. And maybe I shouldn't clear cut the trees because they're not mine. They're, it's just not my decision because I don't own them. Yeah. They're not mine. They are the, like people that put roots into the ground. People, you know, they figure out what's needful for them. But it wouldn't it wouldn't impress itself on us that it is ours to make the decision for. Did you hear yeah, about no. the, um, what is that, the Amazon fires? Like, it, uh, I just from what I heard, basically, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, they, 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 the natives won a course, a court case against the, uh, the, the, the people that were trying to chop it down, right? And so then, I think, like, hours later after they won, the place catches on fire, the Amazon catches on fire. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. That's so childish, I think. It's like, you know, it's fucked up. Yep. It's not well, right. you know, though, um, we also, we make ourselves important even with our Ubers in our modern world. Um, the Pueblo people, yeah. American, you know, Native American Pueblo people, uh, Four Corners area, they made a mistake very similar to what we're doing right now. They had a religion that focused around, um, um, what, what, hold on, I'm trying to get the word in my head, um, migration, there it is. Oh. They 
had a spiritual belief in migration, so there were five sacred mountain peaks. And um, so the Four Corners area of the United States is actually right in the middle of them. And um, wow. he had five mountains, and so it was traditional um, for the very least lit native um, for a tribe, clan, or family to every one to six generations pick everything up and move to the next um, area that had the next sacred mountain in it. Huh. And, you know, they had long enough vision that they weren't trying to, like, achieve all. So you were supposed to go to all five mountains. That was the big Deal, you know, and then you, what that did was it connected the upper and lower worlds. So everything, you know, everything worked. But they didn't have, like, this all needs to happen now. So, you know, um, it started the furthest uh, people were the mound builders of Teokia in the Mississippi Valley. And they started that migration. And um, so things changed. Uh, generation to generation, that was about 650-700 years ago, and right around that time was a dip in weather stuff, much similar to what we're doing now, um, but that Four Corners area, what didn't used to be a desert, that was all, all lush green trees, what? but when you get people that migrate through there for so many hundreds of you're, you're not even, you're losing count. They denuded the whole place down to the last twig. And that's what happens when you move into an area, use what you need, and then you uh, move out overnight. Another family uh, moves in and picks up where you left off, but there's no, I'm staying here and this is my, my universe, so I'm going to plant some more trees or do this or do that. No, you're not looking at the land as um, something to be cared for for your future because your future is to unite the upper and lower world to life and death so you're always looking forward and everybody was vague about you know what happens at the end yeah um but everybody made migrations you know and planted trees and that's why it is today that's amazing. And so, yeah. And that is total. That totally wiped it out. That's why it's a desert. So, you know, we as human beings have done this before. Wow. You know, and we've done it a lot more than once. You know, that, that, uh, so, that, I'm assuming that they went in a circle, like to each mountain. Because mm -hmm. that totally. They actually did a sundance. That's like the, <laughs> uh, um, that's like a perfect way to uh to ex to, to put um to, to symbolize like the astrology chart like you know we go around and you've got it you know and we, we have a perspective they kept they kept the everything and made these migrations happen were the star keepers Ooh. and so yes uh it all began and like i said with the mound builders in mississippi because um, to ancient man, uh, the pier, or, or, or the, the mountaintop was the sacred holy place where God was. Okay. And um, 
in Egypt, it became a pyramid because it was flat in Egypt. And the same with the Cahokia Mound area. It didn't, it was all very flat. So people for like nine or 10 generations hauled a basket of dirt and threw it in a pile until they made a, an artificial holy mountain yeah. that, you know, that the sacred divine lived on top of. And that's true for all um, Neolithic um, peoples all over the world. They had an almost identical veneration of the mountain, you know. Yeah. That's cool, though. That's cool. It's 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 amazing because um, well, it's, no, actually, no, you know, it sucks because we don't have that kind of uh, um traditional values are, anymore. You know, our consensus of reality is filled with um, little authenticity, fake you know, manipulations, that's, yeah. you know, it's, well, that's what prescience comes from, is authenticity of soul and self-awareness breeds prescience in yourself, you know, and that leads you to, like they did in ancient times, you were one-on-one -on -one with the universe or power, and, and what happens in your life was a direct communication to you, from up there or out there direct and you interpret it the best you could but if you're animist uh, at least it would be an interpretation that was organically healthy for the environment and your future generations you know yeah. so what do you think is going to happen and they call those people primitive see with like animism the point that I love most is um, some medicine men have taught you when you refer to other things outside of yourself they're always people always under any and all circumstance are always people um, so when you're talking about the bird and the cougar uh, your kitchen's hair the sky the lake, the mountain, the wife, uh, the community, all of those are people. Yeah. And the big reason why that is, is all people are equal. And anything that is a person, even if you don't understand it, can't speak its language. If it is a person, it implies that you have the potential ability to form a relationship with it so that you may communicate back and forth. Wow. And the purpose of that is to, that you both are given harmony and fulfillment in the material plane that you share in this world. That is what it's for, you know? And if you are looking at the blue sky as a person, most likely you're not going to strip mine that mountain because it's your mother or your grandmother you're probably not going to strip mine it if you yeah. really see everything as a person and if there's a doubt then you go and talk to it you go do a ceremony or a sweat until you establish a relationship a way that you invented or intuited 
on how to understand what others' needs and wants are. And then act accordingly. You know, if you find out that the ant mound would like to stay there and he doesn't want your town there, then you go, oh, I guess we're now the ant people <clears throat> and we can't live here, but we will protect around. Yeah. Then you become the ant clan. Yeah, you know? but, but you don't destroy it. That's, and that's the point. Do you think, uh, um, I think it would make sense. Uh, do you think karma would play in the sort of circumstance for us as humans? Where they, uh, if they, if we, if we, let's say, did what we do, and like, yeah, you know, as we do it. Would what exist? Like, you know, like, um, like, as we do it, like, we, we go over <laughs> and we, uh, build a house, like, you know, right, on, on the ant, you know, place, and then we nuke it with chemicals. You think there would be karma for that? Like, um, I mean, I feel like there would be, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, because there's no need for it. If you're living in balance, that tells you one of two things. You learn a way to live with the past, or you move away. You don't see one of your options as, how do I squish and kill every one of them? Yeah. You know, that's a uniquely modern view. You know, you, uh, you know, so yeah, karma, yes, karma definitely be. Uh, part of the belief system, because if you don't have that way of relating to things, then you would be very painfully conscious of when you purposefully hurt or denied something else what it what it needed solely because you thought you had the right or that you understood or that you were clear. This is t- this is a uh, sensitive ground. I just realized because. It- there would be a part of ourselves, right? You know, there would be that part uh, of the subconscious, or maybe something else uh, that that does know that, and then that would uh, that would have like a cognitive dissonance with us. Um, yeah. Well, how many people pick an ant up and look at it? Not just go look at an ant, but get down there close enough to see that it's like looking at you and smelling you, and its little eyes are like, you know, and. Um, <laughs> Just because it only lives for the summer, well, it doesn't experience time the same way we do because we've got like a little overactive like record keeper up there. So, you know, that three or four months is probably an anti-eternity along life. Why why would when it's looking at you on your finger and going, wow, look at how big that person is. I could walk all over (laughs) his mouth. Um, why would we think that we have more rights than it does to take its home away from it and live there ourselves? Why? When there's so much available to the world because all other creatures can see that and they actively act on that. They get what they need from their environment, not thinking at all that they need to move another species somewhere else. You know, so... What's that higher frontal lobe shit that has, you know, given us our gifts and made us evil? We gotta take back. You know, I I truly, to be honest with you, I don't know 
if I wouldn't, if I wouldn't be a little happier if I was uh, a Down syndrome person or something. Yeah, I see the same thing sometimes. Now, wouldn't it, <laughs> it wouldn't be easier living in this society, but just the act of having Downs, if people weren't, you know, like doing what they do, um, I've taken care of enough clients I mean, that had it that, well, I can say one thing, they enjoyed their day more than I did. Yeah. They enjoyed their food better than I did. They were grateful for the things they have more than I am. Um, and no matter how ugly the day got, you know, with a confrontation or fight, they felt just the same as other people, but the difference was, was they go to sleep in the morning when they woke up, their eyes would pop open, and the fucking universe began again. Yeah. You didn't sit and remember what everyone did to you the day before and the week before and the year before and the season before. You got up and fucked it again. And, you know, if someone decided to smile at you rather than make fun of you, then you had a rocking day. And that could begin your the rest of your rocking life could begin tomorrow morning every day for the rest of your life. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. That sounds really beautiful, actually. Yeah. I mean, I took care of this one guy that he was so small. He's like a little dwarf, and. When you give him a bath, you could see the scars all over his body from the institution and society. He had been abused so much, so much. But all he wanted was he preferred to have me shower him because I didn't, his feet hurt because, you know, the muscles grow differently when you've got downs. And so his feet always were crabbed and he couldn't walk flat on them, so they hurt. And he needed to get out of the shower slow. And, and he liked to shower. He liked hot showers just like anybody. So, um, but no one would like just let him take his time. Oh, shit, it's the morning. He had his hot shower. He's got some Aerosmith waiting in the kitchen. And um, he wants to touch everything slow as he walks to his clothes. And he'd love it if you didn't pull his hair when you were combing it. And, um, he had a smile, and when you did those things, or you saved, like, a blueberry muffin because he liked those more, his fucking soul lit up. He just, he thanked you. He so appreciated you for who you were that you would do that for him. And I, other people looked at his life and said, God, I still wouldn't want to be him. Look at all the things he has to go through. But you know what, though? If you wanted to make up, there, you know, and sign, you could just go, I'm sorry. And then give, like, food is a good gift because it makes a body feel good. If you said, I'm sorry, and gave food and tried hard not to do that again, you were forgiven. You were fucking forgiven. And everybody got over it. So, you know. You know what? <laughs> you, uh, universe. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, you just inspired me. I think I know what I have to do now. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go and help out Ayana. I'm going to help her with her business. I'm going to make her something.
Okay. I think that, that, because <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I know you weren't meaning that metaphor, but <laughs> I didn't even mean to, you know. But the um the way yeah you said it though it. Uh, Right. I think right, I right. I think I should. No, I also don't believe in coincidence. I believe that sympathetic people come together at certain times, not because of a given need or drive, but come together because they can um, be open and be humans. And if you do that, then all of a sudden one of you, if you're receptive to each other as humans, one of you will inspire the other to go do something, and then you go do that and report back later. Yeah, you're <laughs> so very I'll talk good. to you later. You're very good at that, though. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but you are receptive. Oh. That's the difference. Thank I you. try with the world every day, and for most of the year, I get nowhere. <laughs> and that's the way it is. You are receptive. Thank you. That's why it happens more often, because you're receptive. That's, uh, I'm, I'm glad we had this talk, though. Uh, you definitely lit up a lot of... A lot of light all over all over the place. You just lit up light all over the place, man. <laughs> Every direction. <laughs> you know. Well, that's your real brain. That's a real brain. The real brain isn't housed in your body. The real brain is the connections you make and the sparks that they give off that wow. you notice in the world around you. Oh, your wow. That is <laughs> the most profoundest thing I've ever heard. That just, that just blew my mind. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, well, that's a good well, one. Well, good. That, then it should empty it, you know. You, you, should, you should just get rid of everything and start it over again in the morning and then think of how much service space you've got to do anything you want with. That's true. So, <laughs> I will talk to you tomorrow or so. Yeah, definitely. Okay. You have a good night. Alrighty. Hey, good night. You sleep well. I will. Okay. Bye, Joe. Mm, bye. I love that guy. He's dope. Good teacher. Mentor. And a friend. Very rare thing these days, mind you. Very rare. And I do not blame society. I do not blame the government. I do not blame the schooling system. I do not blame the medical industry for this. Actually, I don't say, I, w I wouldn't say it's anybody's specific fault. We got caught in a, <clears throat> a dimensional dynamic, a, uh, logical fallacy in our in our ways of going about the world that's what it is in my opinion if you caught in that conversation at all we talked a bit about a native clan who would the uh pick up all their stuff and travel between i think it was four or five sacred mountains i can't remember and they would just keep doing that until the whole place became a desert. Now, if you picture it, I mean, that's the Zodiac, a two-dimensional platform, if you will, 
And from each sign, we have a perspective, a value, a thought about what is real. As you move along through each sign, your perspective changes and your values change in an evolution of sorts, but it's cyclical. You find that none of them actually contain the truth. Now, as the natives kept doing this, they kept chopping down trees and decimating the land. Which is pretty much how things happened with us. Now, we could start things off in a, um, a historical sense of whenever, really. But uh, there are key moments in history, in American history, let's put it specific, when things changed and made a mark. Let's start off with Abraham Lincoln. Sure. Well, he saw the rise of a corporate entity. The corporate entity was a banking structure. And the structure devised a plan. Nowadays, we call it the fractional reserve banking system. Genius plan in the sense of um, allowing for free commerce, open commerce. Horrible plan in the sense of it became the foundation for a lot of uh, fallacies that inevitably would come. See, this specific debt-based system was inherently faulty. It created a system that made inflation Before that, things were, were more uh, resource-based. And Abraham Lincoln decided, hey, let's make the silver-backed coin. A coin and monetary uh, system of America based on a resource, silver. Now, whatever the history books want to put down, whatever. But history cannot wipe clean. Well, it could. I mean, uh, you know, sure. It's happened before. Yeah. But it hasn't wiped completely clean. The evidence that goes to show that Abraham Lincoln wanted a resource-based economy. And it makes sense. And guess what? The silverback dollar... It went through, and it even survived for a bit after his assassination. Of course, it was a. Uh, it's not here anymore, so it doesn't exist anymore, right? It only lasted a couple of years, but um, yeah. And then we went into the debt-based system that we have today, and everything gets so technical, right? And nobody really wants to hear any of it, so we ignore. The people who know the things and words are arrogant sounding, and we get insecure. 
so we don't listen. And they get more pissed and angry and arrogant because nobody's listening. You know, it would happen. Another thing that happened was the Great Depression. During the Great Depression, it put a trauma on the people of America. We wanted jobs. People needed jobs. A fault in the market. The debt-based system and greed of the Wall Street destroyed the economy of the entire country. There were factories, there were resources, there were all of these things to help things go about. But the system itself fell. There was the people to work, there was the product to make, there was the people who wanted it. But for some invisible imaginary reason, and it is a imaginary reason, because we are the only ones deciding what the value of something is, we choose that. That's our decision. It makes no sense to claim that everybody had to just really just destroy everything. And uh, a lot of people committed suicide then too. And they don't call it the Great Depression for no reason. If you've ever read anything from John Steinbeck, well, then you know what's up. Great Depression, what it did was it left us with a void, and nature abhors a void. Planned obsolescence. I believe it was Ford who came up with the idea. What planned obsolescence does is you create a product designed to break down. Genius in a capitalistic sense. Because then the product breaks and the person has to come back to buy more. Of course, we see this in everything. Actually, nowadays, they have tests and they run tests to make sure that a product will break at a certain time frame and will not last forever. Naturally, this would be a waste of resources. It is a waste of resources and you have that piled up in pure evidence uh, cities all over the world trash what is it for economy now ain't that funny did you know that the definition of economy used to be i mean it still is but we just uh we wipe that clean you know we don't wipe it clean and we just bury it with the really lame vaguer meanings that mean anything that will help quench our Cognitive dissonance. But it used to mean the efficient use of resources. Ain't that funny? Economy used to mean the efficient use of resources. That's right. I would argue we don't have one. We don't have an economy. We don't. Because we don't have the efficiency. If anything, we have the efficient waste of resources. Right? So Henry Ford, and I quote him, 
he said it like this. I did not get rich off of selling cars. I got rich off of selling car parts. That's right. And what happened? Stability of jobs. Now, let's say I'm not I'm not saying he's the bad guy here. Nobody is the bad guy. Everybody was just a little obtuse. We weren't looking, we weren't seeing, and we weren't thinking. Because what happened? He's, he helped a lot of families. People had jobs all of a sudden. Planned obsolescence saved us from the Great Depression. Let's go forward in time. America boomed. It did. And for a while, everything seemed awesome. But of course, uh, given the wars and given the dynamic of capitalism at its nature. Now, I'm not a socialist per se. Actually, I don't know if there is a uh, kind of government that I would really back. I'm not anti-government either. I'm just, I believe in family. I believe in family values. And I believe that from the ground up, from the humane human, you would have a humane humanity. And I believe as we teach these values to each individual, there becomes no place for the darkness to hide. And I believe, uh, when I say the darkness, in the sense of uh, things that I believe that are evil, I'm talking about blind spots, imperfections of logic, obtuse, these things. And it's really just, uh, you know, you, you could put it down to stupidity in a lot of ways, really, really. Because uh, uh, denials, things like denials, right? That's how we create evil in the world. We deny truth. We deny the facts. We are... Uh, a species so blinded by our pride that we, a lot of times, so many times, as my good friend put it, so full of pride that we just destroy the things around us. It's not fun. It's not funny. It's not cool. And it's not humane. About two years ago, I now I like to say it all pompously. I do, I do, you know, because it uh, sparks people. <laughs> and it's good, it's good. Because the spark creates movement, action. There's a lot of things that need to get done. A lot of people just talk, talk, talking. I look at me, I'm talking. But, you know, this is on my free time and my fun time, actually. And when I'm not doing this, I'm working. Not bust ass. Google Kapuhuna. <laughs> That's all me, baby. Anyways, there's my ego there. And uh, it can be fun, you know. Earth is actually, according to Rudolf Steiner, the planet of ego. Ego as the conscious self, as the conscious awareness, as the being entity, takes place on Earth. 
Now the thing is, is that you can't deny your ego. You have it. It's a factor that basically runs your being. Know thyself. I'm not saying worship it either, which is what we have a lot of people doing nowadays. The whole self-love movement, um, it came at a wrong angle, I believe. It gave people the excuse to be narcissists. It really did. And it's the opposite of what Christ taught, so it's anti-Christian. It's anti-Christ. Edgar Casey talked about it in the uh, in his book, based on the readings of the Book of Revelations that he did. Now, if you don't know Edgar Casey, uh, he's termed the sleeping prophet. Passed away, I believe it was in the thirties. Uh, was it thirty five? Nineteen thirty five? I don't know. I think it was nineteen thirty five. Maybe it was forty. I think it was either uh, the late nineteen thirties or maybe the early nineteen forties, but. Um, yeah, he was a prophet. Prophet. He was the uh, uh, father of Western holistics and homeopathics. He healed a lot of people. He healed, I don't even know, um, must be over 14,000 maybe, because that's how many readings he's done. They're all uh, stenog stenographed and uh, archived by the Association for Research and Enlightenment that he founded. And um, I've read about half of that. 14,000 and I think uh, 27. Something like that. Yeah, started him all my life. Good man. Actually, that is an interesting one right there, too. I like to bring that up. But a hundred years ago, there were certain individuals that changed the course of history for the world. They did huge things. Edgar Casey was one of them. Besides building the first all-free hospital in America, it didn't last, sadly. He brought spirituality to a whole new level. He wasn't alone, though. More towards the east, you had Madame Blavatsky and Rudolf Steiner. Actually, Madame Blavatsky, she she actually went to America, stayed there for a bit. I think uh, I think it was uh, probably same time as uh, Edgar Casey um, doing his readings. Actually, I can't remember exactly. Madame Blavatsky, she was something, something wealthy family had a whole lot of books. Very old books. Because your family, parents used to travel all over the world. Excuse me, I live in the ghetto where the hood rats uh, hood. And it's probably a weekend. I don't even know. I barely check anymore. It's a day. <laughs> it's another day. Anyways, um, yeah, Madame Bavaski. She was, uh, I believe she was with what she called the, uh, the, the Great White Brotherhood or something like that. I don't know too much about all that. 
Yeah, it is what it is. Um, I know that some uh, some of the old papers from the Rosicrucians had published a, a few of her stuff. I, I can't, couldn't quote exactly which ones. But yeah, the Rosicrucians, uh, which, by the way, it's crazy, but uh, it turns out San Jose is... Has San Jose, where I live, by the way, has one of their biggest. Um, what would you call it? Um, I don't want to say temples. Um, I don't know. Lodge? <laughs> yeah, lodge. That sounds about right. That's one of their biggest lodges. And um, yeah, that's that. Moving on, we got Rudolf Steiner. Rudolf Steiner. I've heard that. Um, some people called him racist. I don't believe that's true. I don't even think that's possible, Rudolf Steiner at all. Not from what I've read. Um, but maybe I'm mistaken, because I haven't read it all. I haven't read all of his work, and there's a lot. He was a mystic, and he uh, understood things about life and the world in a way that we just do not. Well, I do not. Maybe you do. I don't know. But... A very amazing man. He was well studied too. But he grew up as a kid perceiving things in a way that he was slow to realize that nobody else perceived. And he actually founded the biggest school system in the world. Now, they don't uh, publicly say this a lot. It's kind of like a Hogwarts of sorts because it is kind of magic-based. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's esoteric. It's uh, No, let's not call it esoteric because they're not, like, super hidden. They just have they just have different names, you know. They don't exactly say that they're Rudolf Steiner schools. The Waldorf schools. That's right. And they're all over the world. All over every country. And the kids that go there, amazing, amazing, geniuses, brilliant, peaceful, calm, loving, content, artistic, creative. Very different kind of kids. I would suggest if you were to put your kids into any school, put them in a Waldorf school, a Rudolf Steiner school, they will learn matters of the human heart. And humanity. How to integrate their their individuality into a life of meaning, self-growth, self-development, encouragement of others, family, community, and humanity. And if you don't want to do that either, homeschool them. Edgar Casey was also against the uh, institution, institutional schools. Um, maybe he was doing it specifically, saying it uh, for one reading. Uh, exactly, I don't know. I can't quote the readings there. So, so uh, go lightly on the um, on that spectrum. Take it with a grain of salt and a shot of tequila. I don't drink. <laughs> But, um, hey, you know, when in Rome, 
Now, other than those three, we have, of course, Aliester Crowley. And uh, there's all kinds of stuff written on him, you know. I don't know what to believe, really. I don't. I really don't. Nowadays, it's just, um, you know, people say that he did shit, but I don't see anything in his writings about, like, bad things, really. And, like, I do know for a fact that a lot of times... People make up shit, and they talk shit, and they they cowardly you know they they cowardly uh work in those shadows like snakes and spit venom. So I don't know what to believe there with that Aliester Crowley. Because I've also heard that he was very Christian. I've also heard that he was a, a very um, awesome guy, that he, he did a lot of good, you know? So I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, actually, that I'm trying to remember the name of the guy, but it was the podcast, actually. No, uh, podcast or radio show. Uh, it might have been um, Coast to Coast. George Nori might have been. Uh, probably was. <laughs> it was either that or um, NPR. Pretty much the only two that I used to listen to back in those days. Yeah, there was a couple more. But anyways, uh, yeah, no, I, I heard... Um, that his image was bastardized because the people got jealous because he, excuse me, I just ate dinner. I'll remember that next time. Uh, Because he was a little too rambunctious, I guess, you know, he was a little too, uh, you know, he made uh, big moves and he, uh, Wang his thing around pretty hardcore with, with it, you know. Um, what is that Roosevelt said? Uh, walk hard or walk tall and carry a big stick. That's how he did it. You know, that's how Crowley did it. Now, I don't know too much about him. I, I heard that there was a new book out, actually, about him. That in the book goes to show evidence and, and suggest that he was actually a uh, spy. And um, I've never read it, but I've talked to people who have. Well, I've talked to one person that has. And uh, actually, uh, yeah, um, my mentor that you heard earlier. And uh, he said, you know, basically the book goes to say that, it, you know, it seems like uh, he was. seems like he was a spy. Maybe he was, you know. This is a very weird time in those times. And, oh, yeah, you also had uh, Jack Parsons, right? The rocket scientist. Who, what it seems like, was pretty much like Iron Man. <laughs> kind of looked like him, too. As in uh, Tony Stark's image. Strange thing. Uh, there was a couple more people, I think, in that time frame. Oh, yeah, Tesla. Of course, Nikola Tesla. Right? 
Now, you had all these people in different parts of the world. Um, Rudolf Steiner, because of him, well, he created the greatest, biggest school system in the world. Thank God he did. People are learning and kids are learning how to build a human humanity, how to cultivate that, how to cultivate harmony and community. That's awesome. Because that's not going to be learned in our regular school systems. Sorry. It's just true. Um, Madame Blavatsky. It's because of her, actually, that America has such uh, um, culture, has such a mixed culture. A lot of the Asian and, um, and Indian influence that came here was only due to the fact that she opened up the way for religions to kind of connect to for people to look at things from a perspective that hey maybe they're all true maybe they all have a point maybe we just don't understand it and because of her people opened their minds Edgar Casey of course he did the same and he, I would say, would be the foremost scientific evidence for anything mystical, anything etheric. I mean, records, 14,000 stenographed readings. Come on. Not just that, but they kept the letters, too, the correspondence letters from the people that came. He gave readings to... Uh, uh, a president, I can't remember which one, um, Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Rockefeller too, I can't remember the, which one, um, yeah, lots of readings, and he did change the world, Tesla, of course, yeah, changed the world, Blam. <laughs> you know, now I don't know too much about Aleister Crowley or, or Jack Parsons, really, but I was reading a little bit on uh, Jack, and it's really interesting stuff. I'll get back to you on that. But the one thing that really trips me out and makes me even more curious is uh, this age. 100 years in the future. There's some amazing people that I've met. There's some amazing people that I've seen. People changing the world right now. Touching lives. Guiding people. Helping people. I believe we all do the best that we can. We all only do the best that we can. I believe that. Sometimes, though, our logic is faulty. Sometimes our interpretation of life, of meanings, of factors, is faulty. I believe that it's between the Creek, uh, the, the cracks and creases of, and crevices 
of uh, those faulty logics. And evil persists. That attack on another, to harm another, persists. It's only between that. It's only in the dark. It's only in the acts of cowardice. You can always tell an act of cowardice. See it what it is. When you can see it. You can always tell the difference between an act of cowardice and an act of courage. I like to say you should never do an action based on fear. Now, if you were to follow that, as I have, whew, now that's a twister. That is a dynamic. You really start to discover yourself when you go by that. Never do an action based on fear. Try that. Because then you start to say to see uh, the things within you that are fear that you didn't consider before, the things that you gave excuses for because of fears that you were in denial of, and you keep going, and you keep trying to face it, and you keep uncovering new things. Authenticity leads to the empathy. And that's the thing about empathy is, as I like to say, empathy goes a long way, maybe even all the way.
Let's go.